The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today we are pleased to bring you part two of our interview with Rabbi Stephen Robbins, who has experienced six near-deaths. If you haven't listened to part one, you can find it by going to our past shows button and clicking on the show of April 1st, 2019. Rabbi Robbins is a co-founder and past president of the Academy for Jewish Religion, California. With a doctorate in psychology, he specializes in brain science and the application of Kabbalistic wisdom, together with scientific knowledge as a means of healing physical and emotional trauma. In today's show, Rabbi Robbins discusses the nature of breath, time, the tunnel, and life review, and the coming of the Messiah. Do you find it ironic that with the importance of breath and your relation relating the doctor's breath to God's breath, that you've had so many lung problems your whole life? Um, yeah, it's um, in, in this world, I guess we would call it irony. In um, in the transit back into the other levels of being, it is um, humor. <laughs> there's yeah, there's this yes. chuckle, a laugh that this is um, this is God's joke, as it were. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it is this message about the. The simplicity of breath and all of the complexity that's in it that is at the source of our being able to get rid of the fear. Because one of the hallmarks of anxiety and then fear and trauma is panic breathing. Mm. You know, which, which is short, quick breath like, <laughs> trying to get more oxygen in, and that takes place in the upper lobes of our lungs, which are the smallest lobes there are, and we can never get enough oxygen in them, Mm. so that we're always struggling. But when we stop fighting with breath and breathe slowly into the lower lobes of our lungs, which are the, the largest and the most rich with uh, those alveoli that can take the oxygen in and and rid it, rid themselves of the carbon dioxide, then we come to life. So the shallow, um, fearful breathing is anti-life, whereas the deep, slow, rhythmic breathing is uh, is life. Yeah, and the and the there's there's an interesting play on words there between the English and the Hebrew. When when we say in in a toast we say lechayim, and then we translate it to life. Wow. It's actually an inaccurate translation because the word life in Hebrew is the word chai. But what we then do is we add the im to the chai, and you have chayim, 
which turns it into the verb or the gerund living. And the gerund, which is the verbal structure of, of the process of creation, is that a gerund is the beginning of an action or past action complete at its beginning but unfinished in its process. So a gerund is about what's still being done, not about what was done. And that's so that when we say l'chaim, it means to living, to the verbal gerundic process of living, unfolding. Wow. And this... They should really rewrite the the song from uh, Fiddler on the Roof then. Yeah, but it's nobody would understand it because <laughs> yes, you, you know because of the translation all these years. But as a as a part of our understanding, participating in our NDEs, we learn that our leaving this world, going to the next level. And then re-entering it is part of living, not about dying. Yes. How do you relate um, time to all of this? In other words, if living is a process that goes through time, but time is is not necessarily a, a dimension we have to deal with spiritually uh, once once we're out of this world, what is is that ongoingness? Kind of um, an eternal um, nowness. I'm, I'm probably going <laughs> too no, far you're with doing, that. No, you're doing great. Go ahead. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, if 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 that to living, it's like um, when God said, "I am," and and as my understanding is in the Hebrew, that means past, present, and future. Yes. More like isness than uh, than amness. But um, am I am I on the right track or not? Yeah, you are. So let, let me amplify it simply here for the sake of time, and we can maybe explore it deeper. Time in this level of being a physicality is an expression of a deeper principle that in this world, in order to deal with progress we do it by sequence so whether it's time which we relate to in sequencing whether it's letters or numbers or weeks months years decades centuries millennium eon those are all sequential concepts that pertain to living in an unfolding physicality. Once we leave this, these physical containments and the limits that are set in them, the self, as it were, that when we cross the Yom Sof, the sea of limits, and we enter the desert, that that the Jews make transit in this this desert 
which is called in Hebrew the Midbar, can be revocalized to the word Midaber, which means speaking. So that when we enter into the desert, which appears to be lifeless, that in that place, a transit from this world to the next, like an NDE, we can, quote, hear God speaking, unquote, so that by the time we arrive at at the mountain of Sinai, we are capable of, quote, hearing, unquote, the the voice of the Holy One speaking to us from the top of the mountain. That, that NDE puts us in a, in the deep capacity of really coming to understand and experience timelessness, which is frightening. That's part of awe. Mm. The awe, which is the complete understanding not as an idea, but as an experience that that this world's constraints is because we can only live in sequence. But what Sinai teaches us is that is that sequence is the hobgoblin of very incomplete minds. And when we do an NDE or we receive a flow of the Holy One's presence, that the need for sequence goes away. And we understand time like death is an illusion. And we learn to enter in and live in that infinite, eternal, and beyond those words, beyond infinite or eternal, which describe those states in physicality. Because when there is no physicality, there is no nothing eternal. Because the word eternal is a description that fits the world of time, as does the word infinite. All right, then let me ask you another question. Uh, many endy ears who have a, a a sense of transit through a tunnel and coming into a, a beautiful field or garden. Uh, uh, the stories parallel the descriptions of the Garden of Eden, for example. But that, that's a, even though they're in the spirit and assume, we could assume that the field and the, and the trees and the beauty that they see is also a spiritual beauty, but it also is, implies physicality. I mean, d- does Kabbalah deal with that? Uh, yeah, um, but my experiences predate my quote formal study of the concepts and principles that are translated into mysticism which eventually leads to Kabbalah in the in the early Middle Ages in in Spain and in um, in northern Israel. Mm. The my experience is 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 the real understanding the experience that that what we call angels are really an inappropriate perception that 
The word in Hebrew for angel is the word malach, which means a messenger. And like the, the, the angels that visit Abraham to deliver the message to him about Sodom and Gomorrah and about uh, Sarah becoming pregnant at yes. the age of 90. And they're having, they're having a son in addition to the son he has with Hagar, who's named Ishmael. And Sarah at 90 laughs at the idea that a woman her age and a man who's older than her could father a child. And she becomes pregnant with Isaac, whose name in Hebrew, Yitzchak, means laughing. So this, this humor, um, is about the, the, the kind of irony, ironic humor that precedes the conditions we're in in this world, which are really doorways into our transit to another world of consciousness that mm. then informs the meaning of the rest of our lives in this world. I don't know if that helps answer it at all or yes. respond to your question. What uh, what about the angels that were termed watchers? Well, the, in the watchers in Hebrew are shomrim, which are um, uh, watchers, guides, protectors, guards, a variety of English words applied to this this shomrim, the ones who watch. And each of us has um, a number of them with us all the time. They accompany us through the descent into this world, are present to aid us in our birth, and then accompany us through our development, sometimes being added to, sometimes being decreased in response to the changes that we go through. So that these shomrim, these guides, these watchers are there to help us mature um, without dying. Mm. Unless that's part of the possibilities inherent in the risk we take in coming into this world. So that their, their role is in that whatever, whatever we go through as a possibility, even if it includes, uh, death, they, they are, are presences that help guide us through the experience. So each time I, I approach what is called dying and my, my soul leaves my, my body to begin the transit, these shomrim are there to accompany me through the process, what I call shedding physicality, which other people describe as the tunnel. Mm. And that in the tunnel, my experience has been, in the beginning, the opposite of leaving, but going in through the, quote, tunnel. And the tunnel eventually leads to complete discorporation 
as we leave. By that I mean the physicality sheds its its unifying principles and begins to come apart one particle at a time until we can, you know, go through walls and go through floors and even pass through the people there without them even being aware of it because our level of being and theirs is now very different. And eventually the tunnel and our life review is part of the shedding that takes place. So the, for me, the tunnel is, is about being relieved of the weight, the burden of being in this world and the joy that I've experienced in being relieved of the, the weight of physicality, which is upon my soul at every given moment. And knowing that this weight of physicality will ultimately come apart because the physicality itself can't survive its own being here. It simply is too, too crushing a load and eventually begins to, to come apart. And so the, the, the tunnel is this, is this process of our learning about the meaning of our life in this world. So, um, and that is both joyful because of the rewards, uh, the purposeful things we've done. And it's also, um, frightening and painful because we, in this life review, we see, we experience the destructive things we've done and the way that's impeded the purpose for our being present. And there is a process that we call teshuva, which is badly translated as repentance. It really is not repentance. It comes from the Hebrew word shuv, teshuva, which means to return, to come back. So the process of healing the the destructive things we've done, the sins, is to experience them as if we're the recipient of our destructiveness, not what we've just done to others, until we realize that each soul that we've hurt comes to us for healing, and those souls that have damaged us come to us for reconciliation, for healing, so that the unfinished destructive relationship must be brought to healing, not through repentance, but teshuva means the word I used prior, reconciliation. Which is the way many people describe uh, the life review, uh, that, that they feel the as the recipient, they receive the pain that they generated into another person. They are experiencing that themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, how how would you compare uh, the tunnel to um, the notion of the uh, Buddhist bardo? Well, there there are similarities. Uh, one of the exceptions is that there is no reincarnation based upon karma. 
uh, which itself can be punishing or rewarding. Um, and there is no heaven or hell in the, in the Judaic and mystic part of the transit. Uh, there is in fact a very uh, renowned scholar at, in, uh, in conservative Judaism named uh, Dr. Neil Gilman. It's also a rabbi who has um, written a book called The Death of Death. And it's about the, the growth and development of the Jewish consciousness about death that leads him to understand that ultimately Judaism teaches that there is no death, that it's simply an illusion. Now, he has never had an NDE. So after I finished the book, I called him. We spoke for a while about my experiences. And he was quite in in sync with everything I was saying. Mm. So I recommend the book to some people who have, you know, some awareness of Bible because the way he, he talks about the, the transformation is accessible to non-Jews. And so that's, that's the experience of going through this life review. It is this reconciliation, but the, the other piece is that we do this Every Yom Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the the cycle of the high holiday ceremonies and prayers is for reconciliation in this world. So there is less need for reconciliation when you leave this world. So all of the cycle of the high holidays is really the model of an NDE. The, uh, <laughs> it's good, but it it brings to mind the the old uh, temple notion of uh, Yom Kippur putting the sins putting your sins onto the scapegoat and sending him off to Azazel is a as a way of of reconciling with with God, which is not really taking taking responsibility so much as giving it to the goat. Well, and. It's important to understand that, that by the time, I mean, this, this happens, if you want to put it in a historical sequential frame, that ceremony, um, would have happened in the, in the wilderness at the foot of, um, Mount Sinai and then in the transit of the 40 years into the wilderness, then the, the, the ceremony at the tent of meeting, which then gets taken into the temple. Mm. Once the temple is destroyed in 586 BCE by the Babylonians, that, that ceremony ceases to have its same meaning because when the Jews return in about the year 400 and the temple is rebuilt, there is another kind of Judaism developing, and that's the Judaism of the rabbis and the synagogues, which derive from prophetic, spiritual, mystical forms. Um, and that parallels the temple ceremonies until the year 70, 
when the Romans destroy the temple and it's never rebuilt and Jews live with the spiritual reality in which the idea of placing the sins on the head of the goat no longer apply, that every individual has in their heart the the altar and we instead of offering animals now we offer our prayers that they may rise up as if in the flame of our passion to to merge with God that it's the smoke of our prayers that guides us up to our cleansing healing and then reconciliation with others so it's, nice. it, it is that Judaism goes through stages of development and of transformation. So that while, while the Catholic ceremonies are based upon biblical Judaism, that the Judaism that develops post-biblical leaves that image behind hmm. as, as, as caught in a atavistic, as an atavistic throwback that no longer applies. And when I demonstrate, I go through the, the text in, in Bible about that. The Jesuits I was teaching kind of freak out and didn't know quite what to do with that. <laughs> um, boy, does I've that, got... did my explanation help? Yes, yes, it did. Um, there, although I will say, when I was in Jerusalem several years ago, a couple decades ago now, I guess, there was a third temple group of Orthodox Jews who wanted to reestablish the, the temple and the ceremonies. Yeah, and you notice it's never happened. That's and, true. And it, and it won't happen because... The understanding about a third temple is that it happens when the Messiah comes. when And that Messiah is not someone or something that will relieve us of sin. But in fact, what, it, what the Messiah does in the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn we blow, is to unify the nations together in their serving the Holy One. And it isn't that they all become Jews. It is simply that all of the faithful in whatever path they have now all serve the purpose of the, the God that brought us all here to do the work that we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So then in, in the spirituality in the NDE, we understand that all of the functional religious paths that are here disappear when we get there so that um, in in the Jewish perception my ancestor Isaac Luria the great Kabbalist said um, that in the next world or in the world to come there will be no more mitzvot no more religious obligations they, because they are all attached to this world. And, and what will happen is a great unification of all human souls. So that a thousand years before that, the rabbis 
make the statement, the righteous of all nations have a share in the world to come. Which means that no, no people are closer to God than any other. It's that each of us have a path that we are to fulfill in one way or another. And when we do that, then we aid each other in coming to that moment when all of the nations, meaning the different languages, cultures, uh, religious groups, whether theological or ceremonial or both, to come to the same experience, not knowledge, but the same experience of God's presence, which will heal and unify us all. Well, it looks like we're just about out of time for today, but our interview with Rabbi Robbins continues again next week. If listeners would like to hear today's program again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANS, check out their website at iands.org. And tune in again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio with Rabbi Stephen Robbins. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.